morning. Glad you're here to join us today. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, say it with me, his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, the moon and stars to rule over the night, his steadfast love endures forever. Lord, we thank you for your great love. We thank you for rescuing us. We sing of your goodness this morning. We lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen.
Break out. 
to reveal the kingdom come and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation. You did not despise the cross, even in yourself. You saw to the other side, knowing this was our salvation. Jesus, for our sake, you died. translations would would either use the goodness of God or steadfast love for the same for the same verse and and, and that like I said was was where I was stuck this morning we sang of God's good goodness this morning we sang all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able, with every breath that we have, we can sing of the goodness of God. Psalm 107, 8 and 9 says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And this was one of those passages that also used for his steadfast love and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, your word says that you are good. Jesus Christ himself said, there is no other, no one is good but you. We give you glory and honor this morning. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your steadfast love. And we thank you that you are good and that you are with us. All glory, honor, and power to you and you alone. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. 
I'd like to take just a moment this morning and share with you that uh, Mike and Tammy Self informed us this week that they are stepping down from their ministry roles and Mike in his role as elder. They are in full support of NCC's vision, mission, and leadership, and they believe this is a step that God is leading them to take for their family. Mike and Tammy have been integral members of NCC for many years. We have been abundantly blessed by their friendship, by their love, and their service. We love them dearly and ask that you will join us in praying God's blessing on them. In the same way that God is leading them, we are confident that he is leading us to know, hear, and respond to him. We're entering 2024 with great expectations for what God has planned for us all. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for Mike and Tammy and the blessing that they have been to our body. We pray your blessing and your peace and your hand be upon them as they walk into this new season of their life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. morning church this is your first time visiting with us in person or online welcome we're so glad that you've decided to worship with us today at new covenant church we invite all people in the communities where we live to know hear and respond to jesus christ you can learn more about ncc become part of our church family or join our volunteer team by going through our connect class online or attending one of the upcoming in-person classes if you would like to bless what god is doing through the ministries at ncc with your tithes and offerings you can use the offering boxes or give online at newcovenantlandpasses.com. If you have any questions about what's going on at NCC or want more information on how to get connected, please stop by the hub desk after the service. Again, we are so glad you're here with us this morning. Now let's open and prepare our hearts for the word. The Serve Team Summit is going to be next Sunday evening, January the 21st, from 6 to 7.30. And uh, we have a registration form on our church app. It's, if you have the church app on your phone, it's the first thing there. Or you can go to the website, I think, and you can click on... There's a, it's called QR code for us older people. It's QR code. You can click on that. It'll take you there. <clears throat> We're going to provide uh, for help... For your children, you, so you bring them, but you need to register them so we'll know how much to do that. We're going to have a, a time of fellowship, time vision casting, and also uh, serve team building breakout sessions with the teams that you're serving. This is for all who serve at New Covenant, but also if you're interested in serving, go ahead and go there and register for that. And We'd love to see you there next Sunday evening, 6 to 7.30, and we, uh, we're excited about what God's up to. Well, if you have in your Bible, if you have in your Bible, if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis to Revelation. In other words, hold it in your lap. Uh, we're, in, uh, we're in a series called uh, Redeemed, and, and Pastor Chris started it last week. And, and uh, my, my task this morning is to teach you on redemption. Genesis to Revelation. But once... There's been a song on my heart all week this week, and I've just sung it, sung it, and, and uh, it's written by Fanny Crosby, and I'm not going to sing it. You'll be glad I didn't, uh, but, but here's the words, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed and so happy in Jesus, his child and forever I am. This is why I'm not saying redeemed and it goes up. Redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed. Redeemed. His child and forever I am. The definition of redemption in biblical times, it was very well understood. It, means, it meant to buy out of the marketplace, literally the slave market. At an expensive price, 
with the intention of setting them free to restore them to the original purpose. Now, a person who pays the ransom, pays the price, was called the redeemer. And there were certain laws that determined the rights to be a redeemer. Number one, he had to be related to the one needing the redemption. Number two, he had to be able to pay the expensive price of ransom. And number three, he had to be willing to pay that ransom price. And that's why we call Jesus our Redeemer. He identified totally with us as one of us. He was able to pay the price that no one else could pay at such an expensive price because he knew no sin. And third, he was willing Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. For time's sake, I'm going to presume that you can identify with the understanding of the slavery of sin. Jesus, in in John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, or truly, truly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Scripture teaches, and Paul does a real good job of saying that apart from Jesus, our Redeemer, we're all dead in trespasses and sins in which we once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now is at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So basically, Scripture teaches that sinners are spiritually corpses that are enslaved to sin, Satan, and the world, and by nature condemned, or as we've been talking about, perishing. That's who needs redemption. According to the law of redemption, Jesus is the only one qualified to redeem. And what I want to talk to you this morning is about what that means, how that works, and how Jesus does it. And the scripture from Genesis to Revelation says there's only one way. It's by the shedding of blood. In 1 Peter 1, I'm going to read this out of the uh, message translation, 18 through 20 says this, it cost God plenty to get you out of that dead end, empty headed life you grew up in. And he paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. (coughs) Excuse me. He died (coughs) like an unblemished sacrificial lamb. And this was no afterthought. Even though it was only lately at the end of the ages that it became public knowledge, God always knew he was going to do this for you. That's the part that I want you to see. Thanks, Brent. God always planned your redemption. From Genesis to Revelation, God planned your redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you. But have you ever asked the question, why blood? Why blood? The scripture says that life is in the blood. So basically what Jesus was shedding his blood was giving a life to give life. A sacrifice for that which could not be sacrificed in order that it might become what the sacrifice was for them. The Bible from Genesis, it talks about this uh, from the very beginning, from, from Genesis to Revelation, from Eden to the New Jerusalem, it speaks of blood. God told Adam that if you ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that you would surely die. Literally, in Hebrew, it says in dying, you will die. 
In dying, you will die. In other words, there was a spiritual death that took place before there was a physical death. There was a spiritual death when, when Eve ate of the fruit and Adam sinned by eating of the fruit. Death came upon all men. Spiritual death. Adam and Eve didn't die immediately, but listen, it started a process that they entered into a continuous state of death, spiritual death, that would continue as a gradual degradation of the body and culminate in physical death. Adam and Eve found, I love this, they found fig leaves and tied them together to hide their nakedness, to hide their sin, to hide the results of their rebellion, of their disobedience, of their sin, of their realizing that they were separated. And it's funny, we still are so skilled at tying fig leaves to try to cover our sin. The first lesson on the cost of sin was when God provided skins... For them to wear. Something had to die for Adam and Eve for their sins to be covered to be able to approach God and God to be able to approach them. Now, God knew that, listen to me, God knew that those skins didn't cover sin, but they pointed to that which would. God knew from the beginning (coughs) that man could not deal with his own sin. That he was going to have to. And when you think of Old Testament, listen, Old Testament sacrifices wasn't a a, a drudgery. drudgery. Old Testament sacrifices was an opportunity for man to be able to approach God and God to be able to approach him. It was a joy to the Jew to be able to go to the temple and offer the blood of a lamb. When I was growing up, I thought, well, what what kind of world was that? But you see, they, they understood something that we sometimes don't understand. They understood that their sin separated them from God. We Americans don't get it. We really don't. We think sin is something, some mistake we've made and that if we just try harder, we can change it. I'm telling you this morning, apart from redemption, you're perishing. Not You're not just sick. You're not just a sadist. You're perishing. Okay, got to get back on. Because I got to cover Genesis to Revelation. Bring your lunch. Not really. Why blood? Leviticus 17.11. See, this cost of sin that was continually over generations and It went from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and then to Moses. And Moses is the one that gave us from God the sacrificial law. Literally, it called for 1,273 public sacrifices a year. And all we have to do is go to Jesus. Why? Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Hebrews 9.22, the last part says, For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin or forgiveness of sin. There's no forgiveness apart from the shedding of blood. But Hebrews also tells us that no matter how many times those Old Testament sacrifices were made in the past, they didn't do, they really didn't change the person. They covered the sin pointing to the one who would forgive sin. They covered sin that man could approach God and God could deal with man. But they never dealt with the issue. They were a reminder, Hebrews tells us. They were a reminder that we're sinners. But what was possible, Hebrews 10, 4 says, it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. But what was impossible for, for mankind was possible for, we just celebrated, the God-man that came that Christmas, born like us, born in flesh, 
But he was born to be a sacrifice. Born to shed his blood. Born to die for the sin of the world. Hebrews 9.12 says he entered. And this is talking about when Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood. In the time between his death and the resurrection, it's this picture that Jesus takes his own blood and goes into the real holy place in heaven, the real holy place in God's presence, and he offers his own blood. Listen to it. It's Hebrews 9, 12. He, Jesus, entered once and for all, not, not every year, once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal salvation. An eternal salvation. A redemption. He secured an eternal redemption. I love this in the message. It's verses 12 through 13 in the message because in the message you can't just read one verse. You've got to read a context. It says, Jesus also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goat and calf blood. Instead of using his own blood as the price to set us free once and for all, if that animal blood and other rituals of purification were effective in cleaning up certain matters of our religion and our behavior, think how much more the blood of Christ cleans up our whole lives inside and out. Through the Spirit, Christ offered Himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all of those dead-end efforts. And listen, in the King James it says, dead works. And let me tell you something, anything you're at work at to cover your sin is a dead work. There's only one place and one thing that can cover your sin, that can forgive your sin, that can cleanse you, and that's the blood of Jesus. Freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to make ourselves respectable and so that we can live all out for God. The blood of Jesus Christ redeems and ransoms and delivers and saves all who believe in Him from everything that did separate us or could separate us from God the Father. And I've, I, I really battled on how do I, how do I get this across? And I, I think... I found a, a unique scripture it's in, in Hebrews 12, 24 that, that just really showed me. You know, when, when Cain killed Abel, back to Genesis, when Cain killed Abel, God says to Cain, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And then I found this verse in Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 24. And it says this, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, it praises him. And then it says this, and the sprinkled blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The shed blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Well, what was the word of Abel? The word of Abel, the blood, cried out from the ground for justice. Well, Jesus' blood, what, what do you think Jesus' blood? If, if Abel's blood cried out for justice, what does Jesus' shed blood cry out? What does it cry? What, what, what all was it? You see, Abel's blood cried out for vengeance or justice. Jesus' blood cries out for redemption, for forgiveness. For cleansing. And, and I don't have time. I'm going to just... what Ephesians 1, 7 in the message says this. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, His blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we, we, are, free, we are a free people, free of the penalties and the punishments chalked up by all of our misdeeds, and not just barely free either. We're abundantly free. Free. Now, free has more to it than just... Americans think they're free and we're slaves. You do understand that, right? So I'm not talking about a perceived freedom. This is, a re, this is the real deal. That the blood of Jesus Christ literally sets you free. Sets you free from sin, sets you free from Satan, and sets you free from the world. The blood of Jesus does that. It cries out for freedom. But listen to me. What does it say? I am redeemed. That's the, the, the way the literally, 
Ephesians 1, 7 in the King James talks about that it speaks for freedom, for, for redemption. Redemption means that I'm free. I'm clean. I'm clean. 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. I'm justified. I'm declared by the holy God not guilty. I'm right with God, Romans 5, 9. I am whole, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. By his stripes, I am healed. That word healed means I am literally delivered. I'm made whole. I am healed of disease. I'm healed of that which that separates me from God. I am made whole. I am set apart as God's property. No, you're not that, that whoever is in Christ, you've been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. Therefore, glorify God. You're God's property. I have peace with God, Colossians 1, 19 through 22. And I am more than a conqueror over the enemy. They overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they didn't love their lives even to the death. And I'm safe. I'm secure. I'm sealed. That's what the blood has to say to the one who receives Christ. And I've said all of that to get to what I think is what we need to hear about redemption. Most of us, if we're not careful, all of this sounds like a business transaction. God set the standard... Jesus paid the ransom, and whoever believes is redeemed. In other words, God said this, Jesus did that, you decided to believe, and ta-da, you're saved. Now think about this. This is not just a transaction. And this is what I fear. I fear as a pastor. I fear that so many people have heard the information... It made sense to them. It's kind of like a knowledge of good and of evil. It, it looked like this is going to be something to make me wise. Or literally, it looked like something to make me saved. You follow me? God said it. I believe it. God, Jesus did it. One plus one equals two. It's logical. It becomes a transaction. I make a decision. I decide that that uh, is true and so I'll go to heaven when I die. It's a business transaction. Done deal. You don't understand redemption. What makes the difference is it's not just a business transaction, it's a transformation. You Literally, God does something to you that has never happened before in your life. And and you need it to happen. In other words, I don't you 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 could have believed this all of your life, but what I'm about to share, you need to happen. Ephesians 2. I read the first part, verses 1 through 3, while ago talking about the man apart from Christ. But in Ephesians 2, verse 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I, I, I know we've been taught. Uh, if you were to ask people, how do, you, how do you become a Christian? If you were to go out on the street and you say, ask everybody, how, how do you become a Christian? Let me tell you some of the things church people will tell you. Well, you, you need to confess your sins and... Uh, Let's see. Confess your sins. Uh, ask Jesus to forgive you. And ask Jesus to come into your heart. You need to call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, and you shall be saved. You need to believe with your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And if you fall else fails, say, go talk to the preacher. Now, did you see verse 5? Chris kind of talked about it last week, but I I want to reiterate it because I don't think we see it. 
when we were dead in our trespasses. You see, you're not just a slave to sin. You're dead in sin. Now, now, preacher, why are you saying that? It's not that we didn't give the right information, but you're talking to dead people. Dead people. Now, you see... Dead people can't believe. Dead people can't confess. Dead people can't hear. Dead people can't call. Dead people can't change. And dead people can't talk to the preacher. The preacher's already talked about them. They're dead. They had the funeral. You understand? I know this sounds silly, but listen, this is Scripture. What, what sin does to us is literally it destroys us to where we have no really un, we have no ability apart from what God is going to do to ever be different. That's why what does, what does a dead person need? A dead person, listen, man doesn't see himself as dead. We think we're diseased maybe. We think that we're disorganized and maybe disgruntled with life, but dead? You know, I can, I I mean, I've got, my heart's beating right now. I've got, no, you don't understand. On the spiritual side of things, there's going to come, remember, in dying you will die? If, If you are spiritually dead, you're just, your heart's just beating until you die. And then there's going to be a real second death. That you will be eternally separated from God. And a dead man can't be anything different than what he is until God does something. And here's what I want you to hear. What does a dead person need? A life. The scripture says in Ephesians 2, While we were dead in our trespasses... God made us, because He loves us so much, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, not of works. By grace, not of dead works. Grace, you're saved. It's the work of God. And He raised us up together with Christ. And He seated us together with Christ. In the Greek, every time that He says, made alive, raised, and seated, it's the same way. Together with Christ. We were made alive together with Christ. We are raised together with Christ. We are seated in the heavenlies together with Christ. That's... You've got, to, you've got to get this because this is where I'm thinking that I think God is about to, I, I really believe that we're in 2024, God's about to, we would call it revival, but I think God's about to bring life. I think God's about to, to, to redeem. I believe he's about to redeem what the enemy has stolen. I believe that he's going to redeem these things. And so I, I want you to hear this. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam... All die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. You're not made alive because you made a decision. You're made alive because God did something with you together with Christ. And here's what he did. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, uh, Chris read it last week, but it's also going to... I want to read it from a different translation. God... Of Him, God, has united you with Jesus Christ, with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made Him to be wisdom itself. God's made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. He freed us from sin. Here's the thing. How does God make us alive together with Christ? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. But because of the blood that has been shed, God sees it as a done deal. It's not something that's ever going to be done again. Once and for all, Christ offered that blood for the forgiveness of sin. And once you come to realize that, you come, and listen, I don't even think you can do this without God doing a work. Uh, In other words, I think God does something in you before you ever have faith. I think God's up to something. God is the sovereign Lord and He wants you. God loves you so much. He wants you to be redeemed. 
And so he comes, and people say, well, anybody can that wants to. I don't believe that's what Scripture teaches. I believe anybody can because of the sacrifice of Jesus. But I don't believe everybody will because of our own hardness of heart. So I believe, how does God unite us, put us in Christ? And here's, here's I said, Lord, how do I say, how do I say this? How does it, I mean, because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't fit my logic. It doesn't fit anything that I know, my information. So how does it work? John 6, 63. John 6, 63. This is when everybody's walking away from Jesus. All of his disciples are leaving. Everybody's leaving. And, and Jesus says something that we needed to hear. And I think it's an incredible statement. Jesus said, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh provides no benefit at all. Christ said it himself. It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh provides no benefit at all. The words that I have spoken to you. Our spirit and our life. Now I want you to hang on to that. It's the spirit that gives life, but how does he do it? The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit that gives life and life itself. You say, well, preacher, what do you say? I believe you can be sitting just like you are this morning, And you can hear some dumb preacher trying to explain it. But when that word comes and there is this aha moment that you now, that word comes with its own power, with its own life, with its own strength. That word that the Spirit is speaking to your heart, to your life. And suddenly you realize, hey, this is real. This is right. This is something that I can have. I believe at that moment uh, that when we come to the realization, I'm not saying at that moment you're saved. I'm saying at that moment there is the opportunity for you to say, yes, I receive it. I accept it. And when you say, yes, I accept it, God does something that is totally supernatural. He takes you in the 20th, 21st, 21st century. He takes you sitting right here and He takes you and your heart, your life, your death basically and He makes you alive and He literally puts you into Christ and applies to Christ To come to be in you by His Spirit. He puts you in Christ. Now what does that mean? That's what it talks about. He made you alive together with Christ. You become spiritually alive. You become alive to God. So that in a real sense, everything that Jesus is, everything that He has done, everything that was ever accomplished, now is put to your account as if it was accomplished by you. And so when Jesus shed his blood for sin, he shed his blood for your sin. Your sin now is in the forgiveness of Christ. It's together with Christ. And I am totally not guilty. God literally declares me justified. I become right with God. Not because I did anything different, but because God has put me in Christ. Everything that Christ accomplished is now put to my account. And then he puts Christ in me. There is this mag- <laughs> how do you say? It? There is this manifestation of the life of God becomes a living reality in you. It is God's presence. You become alive to His voice. You become alive to His word. What you've heard all your life suddenly has meaning. You become alive to God. He makes you alive. It is all because of redemption. You don't just make a transaction called salvation. You are made to lie alive together with Christ. Romans chapter 6, read it. Romans 6. As many of you were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Well, wait a minute. When we think of baptism, we think of water baptism. But the word literally means immersed, put into, plunged into. 
So as many of you that were baptized were plunged into Christ's death, that this power of sin might be rendered inoperative. When you are put into Christ, the power of sin in your life is broken right then. You say, well, preacher, that means I'll never sin again. No, it means you don't have to ever sin again. The power is within you not to sin. The choice is with you whether you sin or not. Now it's your choice. Before you was a slave, you just did it by lifestyle. Now everything's different. Now if I, if I sin, it's because I choose to. That makes me more responsible, not less. Now I have the power to overcome it, but I would rather live in it. Now the guilt is not on him, it's on me. But I never have to stay there because it has been once and for all broken. I never have to live in sin. I never have to stay under its bondage. I am not in bondage to it. Gosh, Lord, help me. So that when he died, we died with him. When he rose, we were raised with him in resurrection life. You literally have the resurrection life of Jesus in the Holy Spirit alive in you. There literally is the, the life of Christ, the life of God in you. You became a partaker of his divine nature. Scripture teaches it. You become something you've never been. So let me just get through it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, remember, you're put into Christ. That's what the Spirit does when you've heard that word. If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. You become a new creation. Now listen, this is a key word. Creation is not renovation. You don't get cleaned up. You get made over. It's not renovated. It's not restored. You become something. Literally, the word here is you become a new species. You become a, a new genus. You become something you have never been before because God placed you in Christ. Christ come to be in you, and now you're a brand new creature. You're a new man. You're a new self. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. Now, How does he do it? Not only were you baptized doing this, you were raised in victory over. And now you can yield yourself to God and God will literally do things that you were purposed to do all of your life. God created you for this. And, now, and, and listen, it is so sure. It's because where Jesus is, you're in union with him. He's seated in the heavenlies. It's a finished deal. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, all of this, you say, preacher, I just don't understand. I don't understand. Listen, it's not about understanding. It's about receiving. It's about accepting. So, preacher, what, what are you saying? It's accepting that what God has just spoken can be true for me. And I receive it. He won't make me receive it. It's a gift. It's grace. It's a gift. But it's available. And literally, He's made me alive to see it. So let me give you the one more verse. Galatians 2.20. Here's my confession to you. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer Daryl who lives. But Christ Himself lives in me and the life that I now live in this flesh I live by faith dependence trust in Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me let me close with this redemption is to not is not to make bad people good Redemption is to make dead people alive. I'm going to ask the altar team to come. Have you been redeemed? I don't, I'm not talking about 
what decision you made when you was a child. I'm not talking about what decision you made as an adult. I'm not even talking about the decisions you're trying to make now. I'm saying it's not about a decision at all. It's about an acceptance. That when the Word of God goes, there's power in that Word to redeem. There's power in that Word to transform. There's power in that Word to make alive. And you become something you've never been before. And here's the good news. You'll spend the rest of eternity discovering what you got when you got Jesus. Forever and ever and ever. I want you to stand with me. I believe if you could hear these words and there's something in you that rises up, there's, there's this weight, there's this tension, there's these butterflies, there's this something that says, that's real, that's, that's true. I believe with that awareness comes the opportunity for you to respond, for you to receive. I'm going to invite you to just say yes to redemption. The blood has been shed. The way has been made to say yes to redemption. Well, preacher, I don't understand it. Neither does anybody else. But people have received it and they're transformed the world. Would you receive him this morning? As Megan sings, we invite you to respond to Jesus. You can do it where you sit, but there's ministry teams available that would love to pray with you and to agree with you as you experience the redemption of Jesus. that a reality in our lives for your name's sake and for our world's redemption. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Ministry teams will be available if you need prayer.